Good evening. Reading is taken from Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 37. The coming of the kingdom of God. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is, Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given up in marriage to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on the night two people will be in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding corn together, one will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. That is the word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, John. Let's pray. Father God, some of us have known you a long time, uh, some just a short while, and for some of us, we don't know you yet, or we're, we're just not sure. But Lord, we ask, would you come and speak to us tonight from your word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hello again. So I'm Andy Rafford. I'm the curate uh, here at St. Paul's, and I'd like to share uh, some thoughts tonight under the title, Living with the End in Sight. Living with the End in Sight. Here at St. Paul's, if you're new or you're visiting or joining us, um, we are 
uh, for our preaching at our Sunday services, we're making our way through Luke's gospel. Uh, Luke is one of the four gospels in the New Testament of the Bible, uh, an eyewitness account of Jesus' life's ministry, his death, and his resurrection. And uh, we're going through each passage one at a time. And uh, one of the great things about that is it means we can't avoid the, the passages which are a bit difficult. Um, and uh, we've, got to, we've got to engage with them. And this is one of them. Uh, Jesus kind of t- uh, teaching about the end times, the kind of end of history, um, and what's going to happen. I want to start with a question. What is the end goal of your life? Big question, I know. <laughs> if, you're, if you're taking notes... I don't know, have a go. I'll, I'll leave you to ponder just for a moment. Have a go at writing it down or, or trying to visualize it in your mind. If you had to say, what's the end goal of your life, what would it be? It, it might be to say, actually, I, I don't have one. I don't know. That's fine. We, we, we may not consciously, at least, um, have kind of end goals, something that we're going towards. But, you know, when we, when we look at... And the, the really effective, successful leaders, uh, they tend to be the ones who have a goal and they, they can visualize it and communicate it and everything goes towards that goal, doesn't it? Whether that, they might be entrepreneurs, you know, like Steve Jobs, or, or uh, politicians, or parents, or explorers, or pastors, the ones who have the clearest goals and and. and Kind of everything comes drives towards that tend to be the ones who are most effective. I don't know about you, but I feel in our in our kind of culture in the West and and in our society in the UK here, it feels like we're we're in this place where we we don't really know where we're going um, as a as a culture. You know, we've got. The, the world seems to be an awful perma crisis, just constantly, you know, and we, we're looking just kind of hour by hour, we're seeing this intensification, um, worsening of the situation um, in the Holy Land, uh, Israel and Gaza, and, you know, just our hearts break uh, for what's happening there and in Ukraine, other places. Um, you know, it's been a political party conference season, and the kind of sense has been... You know, we've, we've had a, the Conservative Party's been in, in government now for kind of 13 years, and it's just not quite sure what's, where they're going, what's happening, what the priorities are um, anymore. We see it too just in kind of cultural things. You know, when we go to the cinema or the, the galleries, um, it's kind of, it seems to be endless sequels or rehashes or deconstructions of things, nothing new. There's a, a general sense of like a lost perspective. I would suggest, in our culture. Um, but what we have here from Jesus is, is like the end goal of the Christian. Now, you might be thinking, like, Andy, what on earth are you talking about? Jesus is, Jesus is talking about the literal end of the world. Like, what kind of end goal is that? And um, to that, I'd say it's a great question. If you just hold on, hang in with me, um, because... Actually, I think this is really significant for us. Um, so we're looking tonight at, at Jesus' teaching on the end times. Um, 
we, have, we actually have two conversations that Jesus has. And you might have noticed that. The first couple of verses are Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Um, and for them, they're asking, when's the kingdom of God going to come? And Jesus says, well, it's in your midst. It's here. Jesus, where the presence of Jesus is, the kingdom of God is. Um, but then he turns to his disciples, doesn't he? Verse 22. Um, and he begins, it's like kind of an, a separate conversation. That's the one we're really going to dig, dig into tonight, where he's talking about, okay, what happens, you know, when, what happens after Jesus' ministry, after his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and uh, his promised return in the future? What happens there? Just a few brief I want to make just a few brief comments about um, a kind of Christian view of history um, and, then, and then kind of um, dive into this idea of where, where we're going. Um, a Christian view of history crucially has um, a beginning and an end. So the kind of... Uh, w- the Bible doesn't, God doesn't tell us that history is like this infinite, you know, infinitely stretches back into the past and infinitely um, into the future. This world, the universe, has a beginning, God made it, and it will have an end as well. Um, that means that life also isn't like cyclical, you know, our calendar year kind of comes around and around, you know, it's Christmas, going to be Christmas time again soon. We can kind of get caught into this the thinking that history just goes around in circles, uh, the Christian view of history actually is it goes from point A to point Z. Um, and Jesus is talking about point Z um, here. Um, Jesus talks about a definite end, and he? he says it's like it'll be really clear, like when lightning strikes across the sky, you see it. Everyone sees it, who's there? Um, and then he, uh, he also slightly more cryptically says it's like when vultures gather when there's been or well, maybe a big battle, and, uh, and there are, you know, there are corpses, the, the scavengers come in, and you see it, everyone, everyone notices uh, what's happening. So the, this end is going to be um, kind of definitive. He talks about a, a final judgment, which really is an, an end to evil, to sin, to injustice, um, to, to weakness. Uh, that God's going to bring about. And, and like a necessary part of this is there's a separation, isn't there? Jesus talks about, you know, one gets taken, the other gets left. And uh, that's, part, that's kind of a necessary part. If God's a God of love and justice, um, then that is going to happen. And, uh, and I think I would just want to add that God longs for us to be ready. He longs for us to, to get right with him um, in the time that we have. Uh, Something that Jesus doesn't get onto in this passage, but is, is a part of um, kind of the end of history, is a renewal of all things. I want to read to you a few verses from um, Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. Uh, it talks a lot about kind of end times, end of history. Um, Revelation chapter 21, uh, first few verses, really well-known um, words. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and there's no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. 
you know, there's going to be a restoration. God literally wipes our tears from our faces. And often when Christians, as Christians, we read these passages in the Bible, like we can start to, we can start to ask things like, when's it going to happen? And like, what's it going to be like? You know, we can often get, maybe even just as you heard that passage read, you're like, you're thinking, oh yeah, great, we're going to learn like, when's it going to happen and what's it going to be like? But I want to put it to you that actually Jesus is much more interested with the question of why and how does it affect how we live today? A question of why and what does it mean for us today? And the verse I really want to just zoom in on, the, the, the sentence of Jesus really just like captured my attention this week as I was uh, looking at this, is verse 22. So if you've got your Bible open, uh, your Luke's handbook, have a look at verse 22. Jesus says this, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. That's Jesus. Son of Man is like a, um, a, a different a title Jesus used for himself. Um, you'll long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. There's a sense like we're called to long for or desire or like look forward to Jesus' return. We're called to like a longing for heaven. Um, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it yet. Is the, is the brackets there? Because uh, Jesus is returning. You know, we, we don't know exactly when. Um, and we don't know exactly what it'll look like, but we do know the significance of it, and we're called to like anticipate it. Um, we've been singing this this month a uh, new worship song, um, I believe, that kind of creedal song, and and I love it. And uh, I've been partly because I'm here at the morning service as well. I like I've been hearing it twice a week, <laughs> so it's been like completely stuck in my head. But um, wonderful words. Let me read to you um, from. Uh, one of the verses. I believe in the hope of heaven. He's preparing a place for me, far beyond what hearts imagine, ears have heard, and eyes have seen. We sang that earlier in this this service, and that's like, yeah, we 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 believe in that. We anticipate that. Um, God's got that for us, and there's a longing in our hearts that Jesus just names um, here. So I wonder, what do, you, what do you long for in life? It's kind of another way of phrasing that question I asked at the beginning, like what's your end goal? What is it that you long for? What's the, your kind of heart cry? Um, is it to see one of the days of Jesus' return? Um, to see God put every wrong right, to, to see him make all wars cease, all injustice end, all pain pass away. You know, this, that is what, that's what Jesus' end goal, that's what the end goal of God is for the universe. And like, he calls us, so we follow Jesus to get caught up in that and to desire that as well. 
And uh, we see this longing expressed um, in the Bible and um, by Christians through, through history. Let me read to you one of the letters in the New Testament of the Bible written by the Apostle Paul, uh, Romans, Romans chapter 8. It says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the, uh, our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. You know, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly, really like visceral language that, that Paul is using, that longing that we have, <laughs> that you and I have uh, for, for, for the end, ultimately what Jesus is referring to, what he's talking about here. Um, one of... Uh, Someone I often go back to um, to see what he's written about things is a, is a 18th or 19th century bishop uh, called J.C. Ryle. Come across J.C. Ryle, um, and he writes this: "To be ever looking for the Lord's appearing is one of the best helps to a close walk with God. To be ever looking for the Lord's appearing is one of the best helps to a close walk with God." He's like. Yeah, putting his finger on this, this like desire, this longing that uh, we have, and, and, and kind of Jesus calls us to lean into that. Um, but I want to suggest actually it's more than just being a Christian that, that gives us this longing. Actually, just to be human, part of being a human being, a, a person, um, is to have this like, this longing. Um, C.S. Lewis, quote from C.S. Lewis, will you forgive me? Um, I love to quote from C.S. Lewis. Here he is, he, this brilliant quote from his. He says, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I love it. If, if we recognize in ourselves, you know, when, um, whenever we, uh, you know, whenever we see something really beautiful in, in the in the world, and we just kind of, there's just this like ecstatic uh, re reaction we have. That, that is, I would suggest, one of these like longings for another world, for, that, for heaven uh, to be with God. Or um, when, we, when we hear and we see, you know, all the tragic violence and injustice uh, going on, when we, we hear of the, the situation in the, the region of Notdeck, or um, in the Middle East, or, or elsewhere, even perhaps in our own lives, uh, you know, and, and something like cries out within us for justice, like, this is not how it's meant to be. That's, again, that's like, a, I would suggest, that is a clue to the, the longing that all of us have, because we're all made in the image of God, so we're all, part of God's heart and longing is there in each one of us. Indeed, in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, um, we read that God has set eternity in the human heart. You know, there's, we live in this, in this life, we live a, a, a limited life, a finite life. We're all going to die one day. But God has set eternity in there. We have a longing and understanding of something beyond ourselves. And uh, I want to suggest this longing we have actually reflects God's longing for us. The longing you have for something more, for heaven, 
reflects God's longing for you, his heart for you, for each one of us. Just as we long to see the days of Jesus, so too does God long for us. I've got a slide here of um, Michelangelo's, yeah, his, his very famous fresco in the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican in, in Rome. And uh, I love this, uh, this piece of art. Um, it's called The Creation of Adam. And here, uh, Michelangelo is depicting, you've got God is, is on the right there and is reaching out um, to Adam, to humanity. Um, and you can just see how God is like stretching out to, to, to us. That's God's posture to you today. Um, he stretches out to us. Um, Holly and I, a few years ago, we, my wife and I, we were on holiday in New York City, and we, um, and we went to a, this like Michelangelo exhibition. So if we could see the next slide, we saw these, this like fascinating exhibition, and it had loads of Michelangelo's drafts, and this is one of his drafts for, uh, for the creation of Adam. And you can see he was like experimenting with different hand um, gestures for God. And I love, he, I love the open hand. It's like he, he was thinking, how shall I do it? Shall I have it? And obviously he went for the, like, the, the reaching with the finger, but he also thought it would be really fitting. God's hand is like outstretched to us, you know, longing for us to take it. Um, so yeah, I wanted to share that. Um, and you know, God's longing for us is such that he, he went to the cross for each one of us. Jesus uh, died a criminal's death for you and for me, uh, for all that, you know, that separates us from God. You know, we might look out there and see injustice and violence, but the reality is that in every human heart this exists. You know, we, we can't by ourselves... Um, be in God's presence. Yet God longs for us so much that Jesus, the very one who speaks these words to us tonight, uh, went to the cross for you and for me. Um, He died for us. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life with God. And so amidst this divine judgment and separation, which we see in this passage, don't want to deny that, God's heart is for all and his invitation is for us tonight. Okay. Um, okay, so what, like, so what? <laughs> um, what does this mean for us? If we have this longing, yes, or we recognize it might be there, um, what does it look like to live a life of longing for Christ's return? What does it mean to live with the end in sight? I've got three thoughts, I and mean, they're not rocket science, but um, um, I offer them to you. The first is, um, let's live to establish Christ's kingdom rather than our own. So in our life, you know, we, we so often, we, I don't know, I find myself doing this, I don't know about you, kind of planning for, for what, what's going to be best for me, or what's the next step for me, or what's the long-term plan, you know, my career, or family, or um, things like this. Um, you know, in our decisions and plans and dreams, whose kingdom is being built up? Is it Jesus or is it mine? 
Um, part of living out of a longing for Jesus' return is to deprioritize worldly success, worldly recognition, and wealth. Um, to use Jesus' analogy, it's like to prioritize spending time on the housetop. You know, you see that, and Jesus says, you know, um, you know, when the end comes, don't go down into the house to check on your possessions. Um, it's kind of like we're called to like live on the house where we can see out, we can see those who are in need, those who don't know Jesus, um, those who are in, who are in uh, physical need, in need of justice, etc. Um, rather than like stashing things away inside for ourselves. You know, to, to not be so attached to worldly things that when Jesus' call comes, that we miss it. We just don't hear it. We don't understand it. Um, now, uh, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean as a Christian you can't have any ambition or any goals for your own life or that you can't, you know, own any possessions. That's not, I think, what Jesus is saying. But, you know, these are good and healthy, but rather the overarching, like, priority is Jesus' kingdom rather than our own. How can that be expressed in your life and mine um, today? Second, second thing. So first is establish Christ's kingdom, not our own. Second is share the gospel with others. Share the good news of Jesus with others. You know, Jesus teaches us that there is going to be a separation when that end comes. We don't know when it, when it is, but there will be a separation. Um, Again, from, that, from the I Believe song, you know, we sang, we believe in one doorway to life, one confession, one redemption. Um, and those words kind of find their, like, bite when, when Jesus shares this with us. Um, you know, God doesn't force himself on anyone. Uh, God's hand is, as it were, you know, it's, it's extended to us, but but Jesus doesn't force his love onto anyone. Um, you know, rather, we're, each of us are free to accept him. He would love for us to do that. But we're also free to, to not at the same time. Um, you know, and let's remember, each one of us uh, who are Christian tonight is saved by faith and grace. God's free gift. Uh, there's no sense here where Jesus is saying, you know, if you're a Christian, you can feel really smug and like, you know, you're fine because, you know, when the end comes, you'll be all right. No, rather, he's saying, let's, you know, who is there uh, that we would love to know Jesus and, and let's, let's be praying for them. Let's be seeking opportunities to share uh, God's good news and his blessing with them. You know, here at St. Paul's Church, we have a vision. Over the next 10 years, we would love to give everyone in our area a meaningful opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus. Um, and we've got, we say 10 years because in 10 years' time, it'll be 2033, 2,000 years since the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and, you know, so, so we're serious about this. We, we want to, to, to kind of live in the tension here um, where Jesus talks about the end, where there will be a separation. So I wonder, what are the opportunities in your context? And, and who are the people that you are, you know, you're praying for? Maybe there's, maybe there's someone in your, in your life, in your family maybe, who you've been praying will, will come to know Jesus um, for many years, and perhaps you've kind of just lost the, lost the drive to pray for that, or maybe you've lost the belief that that can happen. Um, I, I know for myself, certainly, I, I'm in that camp with, uh, 
but let's be encouraged to to pray um, and to seek opportunities to share this good news. Um, And then, and third, what can we do to to live this life? Well, it could be deciding to follow Jesus for ourselves. You know, if you're here tonight and you're not quite sure where you stand with God, um, or you're not sure you call yourself a Christian, maybe you definitely wouldn't call yourself a Christian, um, or I don't know, perhaps you just feel like, I'm talking about this longing for heaven, and you just feel like my, my longing is just, it's just not there. Um, in the parallel passage to this in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, um, at this time, um, the, the, the love of many will grow cold. And maybe you're in that place and you feel like just cold to this. Um, that invitation is for you as well. This, this invitation from God is for you today. God's hand is outstretched to you. Uh, he would love to come into your life tonight uh, for you to put your trust in him um, and to, to embark on a journey of discovery. Uh, the God that you have been longing for all your life because you're made in his image. Um, and Please don't hear this. It's not about like avoiding separation from God, but it's, it's about being, it's rather, it's the positive side of that. It's being in relationship with God, the God who loves you and longs for you to know that love for yourself. In just a moment, we're going to sing our, our final song, um, and it's a real cracker that's been picked tonight. Um, it's living for your glory. And uh, part of the song goes like this. Take my life, let it be, everything, all of me. Here I am, use me for your glory. And uh, I, th- I think that's a really fitting prayer for us. You know, whether you've been Christian a long time, whether, whether you're not tonight, uh, the, yeah, as we, perhaps band, do you want to come up and, and, um, and we'll pray just now, but then we can sing this. Um, kind of as a, like a response and a prayer to God. Uh, can I invite you all to stand? And um, let's, we're just going to have a time to pray, a time to respond to God. Um, in fact, if you feel comfortable, maybe you want to just put your hands out in front of you, kind of, um, it's just a posture saying that we're ready to receive from God. Um, and, and let's pray. Father God, one, one old saint once said, uh, our, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And Lord, we just acknowledge where our hearts have been like restless and, uh, and thank you that, that you're the one we find true rest in. Lord, we, I just uh, I pray, would you come by your Holy Spirit now and just come and, and make this personal to us in our own situation, whether we feel this, if, if, we, if we're feeling this longing for your kingdom really strongly, then Lord, would you, I pray, would you just come and direct that for us? For those of us perhaps who feel like that desire is really cold, we feel really distant from you, we feel, maybe we're just, we feel fearful. We, at the start of the service as we were praying, we, we had a sense maybe, um, there's a kind of sense of not wanting to turn to God out of fear. And then I pray, Lord, would you, 
again, come by your spirit and gently show yourself to us and, and reignite or ignite a flame within us. And for those of us who, uh, who, don't, who, who were just not sure <laughs> about you, about the whole, about Christianity, about following Jesus, remember we've had a really tough season. Lord, we offer ourselves to you. Thank you that your hand is outstretched. Thank you for your offer of grace to us. And Lord, would you use each one of us uh, as a messenger, as a witness in this season as we continue on the journey with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's